Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to the Ladies Promoting Transparent Advocacy Podcast. I am your podcast host, Shea Pate. Yes, it is Friday, and it is another fantastic Fellows Friday. And as news just keeps moving on and on, sometimes my subjects change drastically out of the clear blue sky. And this Friday, that's what happened. There's two people that I wanted to highlight. I don't have that much information on them. So I decided to put them together because they both have a Pittsburgh uh, connection. Uh, one of the people that I want to highlight is a young man named Cedric Humphrey. He got recognized as a young African-American man who asked Joe Biden during a town hall meeting last Thursday about why should blacks, especially young blacks, vote for him. So he became very famous after he asked the question. And so for those who may not have watched the town hall meeting or saw the clip, I'm going to play the clip from its entirety. It's only a couple minutes of what he had to say. I was really impressed with him. Now, but let me just tell you, I, I went on the University of Pittsburgh's uh, website and I want to write, I want to read what he wrote when he was a junior. And he says, hi, my name is Cedric Humphrey. I am a junior from Harrisburg, currently studying political science and economics with a French minor and a certificate in transatlantic studies. That's encouraging. I am an intern for the university's Office of Community and Government Relations, the vice president of the Pitt Club handball team, has previously worked as a community assistant working in the Hill District with the Pitt CEC and currently serve on this year's student government board. Over the last several months, I have had the opportunity to work on behalf of our students have valuable conversations with administration and develop a deep appreciation for everything student government board does. Oh, I'm sorry, does. And the student leaders it produces. When I ran for board last year, I wanted the experience. This time around, I'm running to help make the university I love the absolute best it can be. I'm running for all of you. While on board this year, I've worked alongside fellow members to encourage the university to stand by its commitment to promote civic engagement. With the 2020 election coming up, I think Pitt should be a leader in working to promote, highlight, and celebrate the engagement work that our students partake in. I will make working with administration and student organizations to create an engaged an energized campus atmosphere, a top priority. I have already started this work and have been, excuse me, doing so for several months. I am seeking re-election to finish what I started. Another initiative that I was able to get off the ground this year re revolves around the policy for transferring credit from internships. What's the policy? In my experience, it depends on who you ask. Not having all departments and advisors on the same page places many students at a disadvantage and prevents them from exploring all of their opportunities. Internships are valuable and in some cases an essential part of the college experience. I want to clarify the existing policies for internship credits. Advocate for a more beneficial policy for students that include allowing students to transfer credit for paid internships and make sure that every advisor is aware 
of these policies so that all students have an equal opportunity to explore an internship as part of the excuse me academic career. I'm sorry. So this young man has been doing things at the University of Pittsburgh that we may have not been aware of. So he's already established himself as a leader. We just got to see it on a national stage when he asked Vice President, former Vice President Joe Biden the question of why should young black voters vote for him? So I'm going to play what he said in this interview and you be the judge of what you think. From Cedric Humphrey, he's a student from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, progressive Democrat. Don't jump, Cedric. You look like you're way up there. Okay. Thank you, George. And good evening, former Vice President Biden. Many people believe that the true swing demographic in this election will be black voters under the age of 30. Not because they'll be voting for Trump, because they won't vote at all. I myself have had this exact same conflict. So my question for you then is, besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? Well, I say, first of all, as my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to write to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. And the next question is, am I worthy of your vote? Can I earn your vote? And the answer is, there's two things I think that I care, and I've demonstrated I care about my whole career. One is, in addition to dealing with a criminal justice system to make it fair, make it more decent, we have to be able to put black Americans to be able to gain wealth, generate wealth. And so you look at what the, that entails. It entails everything from early education. That's why I'm supporting making sure that we entitle one schools, as you know, schools with the least tax base to be able to support their schools. I increase the funding for them from 15 to, to, uh, to uh, $45 billion. That allows every teacher in that school to make up to 60000 bucks. And the problem now is they're leaving the schools. They're not there. We're short about a million and a half teachers, a million and a quarter teachers. Number two, every three and four and five-year-old will go to school. School, not daycare, school. What all the great universities, including the one you've gone to, go to or went to, in fact, talks about in the last eight years what's happened. What happens when you let them go to school, they make up rapidly the, whatever, the, whatever, um, fail, whatever shortcoming they had in terms of their education prior to that. They have not heard as many words spoken, etc., etc. What happens is that the studies show that 58% will increase by 58% their chance of going all through uh, 12 years of school and going through successfully. We'll also provide for the ability to bring in social workers and, and school psychologists. We have one school psychologist in America now for every 1,507 kids. It should be one to 500, not just in, 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 in schools that are poor, but in all schools. Because we learned that, for example, drug abuse doesn't cause mental illness. Mental illness causes drug abuse, failure to get hold of people and, and deal with their anxieties. In addition to that, I, I provide for $70 billion for HBCUs for them to be able to have the wherewithal to do what other universities can do because they have they don't have the kind of foundational support they need. And so that would allow them, for example, like we did in our administration, the president allowed me to go down and we awarded a, a, a cybersecurity laboratory, a ability to compete for a cybersecurity laboratory. The federal government spends billions of dollars a year on universities because they are the best kept secret or where most of the major inventions come out of. And so 
that school now will be able to produce young black women and men who are going to go into a field of the future that's burgeoning, cybersecurity. And that's what that's what's going to help a great deal. In addition to that, if you're a young man about to graduate or you graduated from school and you want to own your first home, or you're, well, it's awful hard to get the money, depending on the background, where, where, what your, 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 excuse me, your economic background is, to get a down payment. So we're going to guarantee first-term home buyers a $15,000 down payment for first-term home buyers. In addition to that, what all the studies now show, and I've been arguing this for a long time, is young black entrepreneurs are just as successful as white entrepreneurs or anyone else, given a shot. But you can't get the money. Where do you go to get the startup money? So what President Obama and I did, we had a program where we took a billion five hundred million dollars and we invested it in all the SBAs around the country, in the state SBAs, small business associations. And that generated $30 billion came off the sideline because if you have a guarantee of $200,000 for your new startup enterprise, young entrepreneur, you're going to be able to attract, if it's government money as a guarantee, you'll be able to attract another $100,000. It generated $30 billion. I'm changing that program and I'll get this done without much trouble, I believe, in the Congress, from uh, from $1.5 billion to $30 billion to $30 billion. I'll take $300 billion off the sideline and grow because you know. And for example, if you, in fact, uh, and I were the same age and we split our differences and we were the same age and we went to the same builder to buy us each the same home. My home was in a white neighborhood on one side of a highway and yours is in a black neighborhood. Same exact home. Your home will start off being valued 29% less than my home. But your insurance for that home will be higher. You'll be taxed more for it. You've got to end this. That's what got me involved in politics in the first place, thing called redlining. We can change so much. We can do so much to change the circumstances to give people a real opportunity. Cedric, did you hear what you needed? I'm sorry. I said, do you hear what you needed to hear? I think so. Well, there's a lot more if you want to, if you can hang around afterwards, I'll tell you more. Okay. Yeah. No, but I really mean it. It is the, the key. Look, this is the way every other, how, how do most, like my dad, he lost his job up in Scranton. And it took him three years to be able to move down to Delaware to Claymont, Delaware, a little steel town. And sent us home to our grandpa to live with him. We finally got back. We lived in apartments, became six and eight houses much later. It was, it was normal apartments. And But it took him five years to be able to buy a home. But we bought a three-bedroom home with four kids and a grandpa living with us. But it accumulated wealth. It built up wealth. That's how middle-class folks make it. They build up wealth. Then he was able to borrow a little against that to be able to help us get to school, those kinds of things. It's about accumulating wealth. And it's very, you're behind an eight ball. The vast majority of people of color are behind an eight ball. It's the same way what's going on now with all this money that's been voted. What's happened? You go to the bank if you're a black businessman, and I and the president fired the only inspector general to see oversee all this help coming from the Congress. And what happens? You go in and they say, uh, do you have an account here? No. Do you have a, do you have a credit card with this? No. Have you borrowed from us before? No. We bail these suckers out. They're not liable for any of the money. But they still won't run it. They still won't lend it to you. You got to change that about accumulating wealth. I don't know, guys. Did he answer the question? Because I was a little confused. And when I was looking at Cedric's face, I guess he was at the point of saying, well, I guess that's all he's going to say. Now, according to Joe Biden, he was going to meet with Cedric after the town hall. 
And I really wish I could have another episode of if they met and what was said, but I can't find that if it exists. I don't have it. So I guess you guys can do your research, but I just wanted to highlight this is a Pittsburgh, uh, fantastic fellow Friday because I wanted to highlight that because this young man as I said when I read his bio at the time he was a junior but during research they say he's a senior now at the University of Pittsburgh and I just wanted to highlight him and and bravo to him for asking the question I'm not really sure if it was totally <laughs> answered but he was just at the point where he was like oh okay so bravo bravo Cedric Humphrey and keep doing what you're doing because from reading your bio from when you were a junior, you are knowing what needs to be done, what needs to be said, and how people will not take the black vote for granted. So I just wanted to highlight him. Okay, everybody, I couldn't sleep until I could find the interview that was done with Cedric after he asked Joe Biden the question. And I finally found it. I couldn't remember what I was watching, but it was actually... CNN with Don Lemon. So Don Lemon is talking to Cedric and I wanted to add this to this episode because I want you guys to hear what Cedric says. So let me know what you think. So one of the questioners at Joe Biden's town hall last night was Cedric Humphrey. Cedric Humphrey is a student from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, who was no doubt speaking for a lot of concerned young African-American voters. Here's this question to Joe Biden. Many people believe that the true swing demographic in this election will be black voters under the age of 30. Not because they'll be voting for Trump, but because they won't vote at all. I myself have had this exact same conflict. So my question for you that is, besides you ain't black, what do you have to say to young black voters who see voting for you as further participation in a system that continually fails to protect them? As my buddy John Lewis said, it's a sacred opportunity to write to vote. You can make a difference. If young black women and men vote, you can determine the outcome of this election. Not a joke. You can do that. In addition to dealing with a criminal justice system to make it fair and make it more decent, we have to be able to put black Americans in a position to be able to gain wealth, generate wealth. Hello, Cedric Humphrey joins me now. Hello, sir. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining. So even, listen, even though Joe Biden's full answer was quite lengthy, you say that a large part of your question went unanswered. What do you feel he didn't address for you? Um, well, he did answer um, a decent amount of it, but I think the main root of my question, uh, which was, what do you say to young voters, young black voters, but young voters in general who feel that uh, they're voting into a system that continually and continually doesn't promote change for them. Um, and I don't think that was really addressed. So I was kind of disappointed about that, but it is what it is. Okay. Well, <laughs> well I, listen, I, I thought that it, it took a lot of courage to get up there on national television and ask the person who, who could be the next president and a former vice president of the United States that question. I thought it was a very bold question, a good question. And Again, um, it took a lot of courage to do that. You represent, Cedric, a, a, a particular kind of undecided voter. You, you knew you couldn't vote for Trump, but you weren't sure if you were on board with Biden either. So what do you do as an undecided voter in that position? What happens now? Um, I think you have to like have a hard conversation with yourself and reconcile your decision. Um, I wouldn't consider myself an undecided voter at this point. I would consider myself a Joe Biden voter. I will be voting for Joe Biden. Okay, um, I was going to ask you, I mean, honestly, at this point, who is really undecided? And, and, and I say that because it's surprising to me considering 
Donald Trump has been president for almost four years. He has a record. We know what he's done. Joe Biden has been in politics forever. We know that he was the former vice president for Barack Obama. We've seen him. So I, 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 I frankly quite can't understand who is undecided at this point, but go, go on. Sorry. No, that's okay. Um, yeah, I'm definitely voting for Joe Biden. Uh, I just wish that uh, there was a candidate I was more excited to vote for that I really had like hope and uh, for change in. Um, but at this point, you know, the mission is clear. We have to get Donald Trump out of office. We can't allow a demagogue fascist to stay in office um, any longer than he has. So uh, I hope everyone does vote for Joe Biden because we have to get Trump out of office. And that's the decision I had to make. Okay. Do you think this is a, um, well, and don't get mad at me, okay? Because I sound like, I know, because I tell my nieces who are young ladies and, and we talk about these things. Um, they, they say I sound like, get off my lawn. You know, you guys know you don't have to fall in love with someone. They don't have to say everything you want them to say in order to vote for them, right? Oh, 100%. Yeah. Uh, I think, you know, a lot of my frustration, and I feel like a lot of young voters' frustration, uh, Joe Biden takes the brunt of it publicly, but I think that frustration lies in deeper problems. I think a lot of it lies with the Democratic Party as a whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. And with Joe Biden being the newly crowned head of the Democratic Party, I guess that's where that criticism is just going to fall. Yeah. Now, the second person who is also a young man and I just wanted to highlight him as well. I don't know that much about him because there's not that much to find out. But I wanted to highlight this Pittsburgh Steeler rookie wide receiver Chase Claypool. Chase is the man right now in the NFL. And I just wanted to say bravo to him. You know, I was reading some, some background on him. And as I said, there's not that much out there. You know, only thing I can find out is... Of course, he's from Canada. He actually started playing football for six seasons in a community football league. And it's in a city called Abbotsford, British Columbia, Canada. And I was really impressed with just the small things I was finding out from his coach. And I'm not even going to lie. I can't even pronounce his coach's name. I can spell it, though. K-H-U-R-L. And the last name is spelled S-A-N-G-H-E-R-L. A. And he and his wife, they seem to be the people that the community looked up to for the Community Football League. As a matter of fact, his wife, who is the vice president of the Fraser Valley Football Community Association, said that she was so proud of Chase as a young man playing that what she would do is post videos of Chase on her Facebook page. And she was hoping that these videos would catch someone's attention. She's quoted as saying, my biggest thing was I used to pray to the universe. Universe, someone, somebody come and find him. Well, obviously that has happened. And, and in the stories I was reading, you know, I did research on Sailor's Depot, ESPN, and a couple other websites. It really didn't say that much. It, it talked about the different levels of his stepfather knowing someone and knowing someone and, you know, how that works. And someone obviously uh, wanted to know who this guy was. Well, to make a long story short, he ended up getting drafted uh, by Notre Dame. Well, I don't want to say, well, it's college draft. Well, I guess it is drafted by Notre Dame. And I was just really, really just at all with him the last couple of weeks playing for the Steelers. So I just really, this isn't really even an episode. It's just mentioning 
of these two young men. But, you know, I just wanted to say how wonderful it is to have such a young man just excited about the game. You know, he was drafted by the Steelers in 2020. And the funny thing is, he <laughs> he's one of 114 Canadians to make an NFL roster. So, you know, we always have the celebration of inter intertwining with other athletes from other countries. So, you know, I am really excited that the Steelers went on and picked this man because we definitely are seeing things that we just excited about. I'm a Steeler fan and have been one all my life. And I like the deep threats. I like the bombs down the field. And I like it even more when someone catches it. So I think this is going to be great to have someone like this with Juju and the other wide receivers. You know, and I just wanted to just say bravo to him because they said that in week five, he set an NFL record in week five by becoming the first rookie to catch three touchdowns and run for another in the game. Then they also said as of week six that he ties the rec NFL record for most touchdowns by a wide receiver in his first five games since 1970. And he definitely is in good company with those who are also in this category. Randy Moss, Calvin Ridley, Willie Galt, and even former Steeler Montavious Bryant. So, you know, a lot of people always tease us about losing Martavius, losing A.B., and what we're going to do. Well, <laughs> thank you to his mother, Jasmine, <laughs> for letting her baby be a Pittsburgh Steeler because uh, right now, number 11 looks great, and I'm excited for the team to have him. And I'm, I'm just ecstatic about this young man, and he seems to have a nice, upbeat, fun attitude. And I just want to say to Canada, thank you. And um, I just I just wish him good luck. And I just wanted to shout him out because, like I said, I don't have that much information on him. But he is definitely a player that I just wanted to give a shout out to and just highlight my home city of Pittsburgh with these two young men. Because these young men are the future. We need people, not just in the athletic part when we're talking about Chase, but Chase is going to be a symbol for a lot of things, whether he knows it or not. First, he's going to be the person that uh, unites the Canadian Football League with the American Football League. And if he keeps keeping up the way he is in turn and the greatness, that's one more thing that Canada can be proud of. You know, I watched the interview where, you know, everybody wants to give the stars nicknames. And I do agree with him. The Maple Tron is just not it. You know, every time somebody's from Canada, they always put the Maple Leaf in there. And I get it. And I know that they said they're comparing him to uh, Detroit's former wide receiver, Calvin. But uh, Megatron and Maple Tron, mm -mm -mm, nope. I agree with him. He said it'll do for now until we figure out something else. I think he should do a contest and let people uh, give names and let them pick from there or maybe just decide on his own name. But right now, I'm just going to call him fantastic on this Fantastic Fellows Friday because right now, he got the Steeler fans pumped up. I know I am. 
And number 11, just keep doing what you're doing. You look like you're having fun doing it, which is a big key because when it comes to sports, when you're great and gifted, that's one thing. But when you're enjoying it, I mean, enjoying the game that you're playing and those are just the accolades that come with it, that's a positive thing. So we're glad that the NFL is back and um, hopefully with the coronavirus, we won't have too many postponed and rescheduled games. But I just wanted to, after seeing this young man play in the last two games, he's just doing historic things. And keep in mind, this man is a rookie. So um, I just wanted to highlight these two young men. I'm going to say bravo to Chase and bravo to Cedric, the two C's, CC. Um, but you guys, I just thought you were worthy of being mentioned on this fantastic fellow Friday. So I just want to give my hats off to Pittsburgh. And this is going to be a short episode because as I said, I don't have that much information on neither of these or either of these two gentlemen, but I just could not let this week go by without celebrating both of them. So check them out, go do some research on them and Let's keep encouraging both of them. Cedric, keep doing what you're doing. Keep asking the questions. Keep letting it be known that your vote is not taken for granted or the young black vote cannot be taken for granted. But also keep doing what you're doing at the University of Pittsburgh and, and make sure that the students are engaged and the students want better and be that leader that you obviously are. And Chase, just keep catching them balls, making them routes, and just doing what you're doing because you got not just the city of Pittsburgh in an uproar in a positive way. You probably are very aware of how many Steeler fans there are outside of Pittsburgh because there are a ton of Steeler fans. So you got a nation because Steeler Nation, if I'm not mistaken, we were the first nation in the NFL. Steeler Nation been around for a long time. We know that Myron Cope created the terrible towel from uh, Channel 4. Anybody from Pittsburgh already know that. So all them little towels you see now in the stands, the terrible towel was the first one. So you got a lot of people excited about number 11 on the Pittsburgh Steeler team. So everybody, this is, like I said, it's a little shorter episode, but I'm excited to celebrate these two amazing men and they're representing the city of Pittsburgh very well. And I want you guys to just embrace both of them. So I'm going to end this fantastic fellas Friday on that note. And I definitely want you guys to reach out to me, reach out to me on the phone at 404-855-7723 for any comments or topics you want me to either investigate or talk about. Or you can send us an email at podcasthostshaypate19 at gmail.com. You know, I always ask that you follow us on Twitter. I will be posting my episodes on my Twitter account at Advocacy Ladies. That's capital A as in Advocacy capital L as in ladies. So you will be able to see them, excuse me, to, well, you'll be able to see the banners and read the narratives. But if you want to definitely subscribe to us, we can be found on, of course, my hosting Potbean app, or you can catch us on iTunes. That's Apple iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Spotify, and Alexis tune in. 
So we're trying to do the best we can to get the message out. And as I always mention, you know, I try to get the audio as clear as possible. So work with me. I'm hoping there's progression as the episodes continue. And as I mentioned, we will always have at least three episodes a week. We are doing marvelous motivating Mondays and that could be a male or female just whoever is motivating actually I got a really exciting motivating Monday coming up and this is from a young lady who is an inspiring entrepreneur well she is an entrepreneur but she's inspiring to a lot of people and I do want to reach out to the everyday person as well you know right now I'm focusing on the election and the pandemic right now but I do want you guys to know once the election's over, we will still uh, focus on the pandemic, but I want to start interviewing everyday people who are making a difference. So we will have, uh, as I said, Marvelous Motivating Monday, Wonderful Women Wednesday, and Fantastic Fellas Friday. Those are the three shows that I am going to be doing new every week. And it's a lot of work. A lot of people may not realize how much work podcasting is. And right now with the audio challenges, it's it's, it's a lot of work, but I'm not going to lie. It has been really rewarding for me to be able to do this. I actually kind of regret I didn't go into journalism 20 something years ago, but I'm okay. You know, I, this is something I enjoy doing and I hope you're enjoying the episodes. So please go and check out the list of episodes. This is, I think, number 31 or 32 at this point. And we're still newbies. I have to have a whole bunch of episodes before I can be called something other than a newbie. So I need you guys to follow me because I want to do this live. I want to, you know, once the pandemic's over, be able to go out and travel, talk to people, see what's going on, see if the election, whatever the results are, if it's improving your life, see if there's things you want to say that the person uh, that you may want to say it to may not be listening. We all need to work together. So. I'm going to end this episode with that. And I always like to end my episode with the famous question. What do you have to say? Thank you for listening.